Hello and welcome to Horror Court Trash Over, the show that discusses all the masterpieces and trash the pieces of genre cinema. I'm Gary. And I'm Chris. And this week we have a double feature presentation for you. Double, double the shite. Double the trouble. Oh, we, we are bringing you trash the piece. Well, one trash the no, piece and one trash. Neither, both trash. <laughs> both trash. So... Uh, in 2013, The Conjuring was released. Uh, the Conjuring is based on the case studies of Ed and Lorraine Warren, who are paranormal investigators. It went on to spawn a sequel and uh, its own sort of universe that's basically the Marvel Cinematic Universe with horror. Um, we've had three Annabelle films, we had a Nun spin-off, and of course, The Curse of uh, La Llorona, which was uh, a wonderful masterpiece, wasn't it? Uh, um, but you know, I mean, mainly a fun franchise. A few duds here and there. Um, it made it was made on a budget of one hundred and thirty nine point five million altogether, and it's grossed over uh one point nine billion, making it the second high in, highest grossing horror franchise behind Godzilla. But we're not here to talk about that today, because with big budget horror franchises making that much money comes uh, little budget remakes, should we say. Rip-offs. They're not even remakes, they're rip-offs. rip-offs. And, and the strange thing is, the, these don't exactly just take, you know, things from the Conjuring films and rip them off. They they take it from various horror films and they, they don't try and hide it. It's so blatant. So, first up, we have American Conjuring. Now, this is released the same year as The Conjuring 2 which uh, is one of the best entries in the Conjuring franchise and made a shit ton of money. Hence, this was released. Um, Well, it wasn't originally called American Conjuring. It wasn't. So, it was released in 2016 and uh, it was directed by Dan Walton and Dan Zachary. Dan Walton uh, was part of the production staff for Saw 2, Jigsaw and Trick or Treat. Um, Obviously... Being part of production staff for those three great films didn't give him any lessons on how to be a filmmaker. Uh, <laughs> well, what this is, it, it's not even a rip-off of The Conjuring, really. Well, no, I mean, that, that's what I was going to get to. Um, before we do, though, Dan Zachary was a biker in Deadpool and a soldier in Godzilla. Okay. <laughs> I don't know the budget for this one, couldn't find it anywhere. And as Ten you mentioned... Pounds. Ten pounds. <laughs> as you mentioned, it was originally called Bind. Um, would you do me a favour and get IMDb up so you can read some of the reviews of Bind? Um, now it wasn't changed, the film wasn't changed when it was released, just the name. Um, so there are, uh, if such American Conjuring is still underneath. Yeah, Yeah, so go on to, uh, go on to images on there. Images? Yeah. Oh, okay. And can you read us out some of the reviews? Takes you back. No, 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 not this one, not this one, that one. Oh. Bind a buffet of haunting imagery reminiscent of horror classics like Amityville Horror and The Shining. Bind carved out macabre imagery galore, one hell of a chilling monster and a killer ending that you won't see coming. Bind has some nice twists, a cool monster and an overall sense of dire mood and familial discord. Bind takes you back to that dark place you were terrified of as a kid and leaves you there. (laughs) 
official selection for the Texas Frightmare Weekend. Yeah, it was at a bunch of festivals. Um, it is so so. In that review, it says it's reminiscent of The Shining and Amateurville Horror. It rips off The Shining <laughs> and Amateurville Horror. It's not even subtle about it. It's it not. takes scenes straight from both of those films. It really does. And then adds a slight bit of The Conjuring into it, a slight bit of a ghost story. Yeah. Um, and then obviously The Conjuring 2 came out and they were like, oh, okay, American Conjuring, we'll call it that yeah. now. So, and like I said last week, in the hopes that someone's granny accidentally picks it up as a Christmas <laughs> present. <laughs> and, and that's the thing, you know, I mean, we always say, you know, we always take our hats off to uh, people going out there and making films and whatnot. There's a there's a there's a limit though. I mean, you know, at dawn they sleep. The film we spoke about last week was awful, but you know, you could tell the heart was there. This, and Mandy the Doll, the both of these films, they don't have any heart there whatsoever. They are literally people just going out, ripping off films, and making a bit of money. Yeah. Well, hoping they'll make a bit of money anyway. Yeah. Um. But yeah, the distributors changed the title to American Conjuring to cash in on the Conjuring Two. And the plot is a family moves into an abandoned orphanage and soon realise their charming orphanage, it's not charming, has a disturbing history and are convinced they're not alone. Before we get into that film, let's talk about Mandy the Haunted Doll. That was released a year after Annabelle Creation and the same year as The Nun. Uh, so it's 2018. Yeah. Directed, it's a British production. Directed by Jamie Weston, the director of Shades of Elise. And Fox Trap, Shades of Elise being a fifth, uh, Darker Shades of Elise, sorry, uh, being a ripoff of Fifty Shades of Grey. Uh, we do know the budget for this one. It was £250,000. Woo! Don't know where that went. I, I'm not sure. They may have had a few takeaways whilst filming. Um, <laughs> it's inspired by the legend of the real haunted doll, Mandy, dating back to 1910s, 1920s Germany. Um... I mean, the the story's pretty basic. A soul went inside a doll that's passed around a bit. Yeah, no, yeah, it's literally... So, we did slight reading up on the, the real story of Mandy the doll. Um, and it, it is a doll with sort of a, a cracked face, like in the film. And it was found in at a farm somewhere, and they could hear crying f- at night from it, and then they gave it to a museum, and... Well, after they gave it to the museum, they couldn't hear the crying anymore. Uh, but the museum, uh, there were stories of objects moving, uh, both small and large, uh, overnight, uh, and shit like that. And and this this only takes a pinch of that, of course. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. It's it's actually the end. I think is more about the origin story. I'm I'm very surprised that they didn't do the whole based on a true story thing. Yeah, they could have easily cashed in on that as well um so the plot for this one is three burglars uh, will soon realize they're not alone in a manor house when they discover a doll mysteriously appearing bitch that ain't a fucking manor house <laughs> it's not that's a fucking basic london suburban home it's we'll, yeah we'll in fairness we'll go through that as we go through because there's many incidents where this is quite clearly not the kind of place you would steal from anyway. No. So, before we jump into uh, American Conjuring, just want to give a shout-out to Cordery FX on YouTube. He's our inspiration for doing this uh, episode. 
He did a video on the same thing. Go and check it out. Uh, he's a really funny guy. He was actually really funny. Um, yeah, I mean, he he briefly covered on it for 45 minutes. Obviously, we're going to go into an hour, possibly an hour and a half, talking about this shit. But he did a perfect summary with those 45 minutes, and it's definitely worth watching. I think he's got a part two coming up soon with uh, Curse of the Nun. Ugh, okay. We'll leave that to him now, then we'll be covering <laughs> that. So, um, yeah, American Conjuring opened in 2004 at an orphanage, and uh, these girls have been horrible to this girl called Sarah. And they're telling her to go and uh, check out this basement in the orphanage. She says, I already have a broken wrist, I don't need a concussion. Yeah, the, 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 they're all bratty, really, aren't they? The, yeah. the girls. And they're all dressed quite nicely, but the orphanage itself is, looks like a fucking shithole. A charming orphanage, outside. Chris. It's not it's charming. charming. It looks exactly the same when there are these orphans living there and when the family buy it as like a run-down orphanage, <laughs> when it's been empty for years and years and years. It looks exactly the fucking same. Uh, these girls are very nicely dressed. Because uh, it's the birthday party of the new girl. But the new girl's a loser who doesn't know how to throw a ball <laughs> without breaking someone's arm. Oh, fucking no. Uh, disclaimer, because obviously uh, we're not going to mention this all the time. Just to let you know, every performance in both of these films are fucking dreadful. Yeah, yeah. There's not a yeah. single good actor there in, isn't. Any, in either of no, them. No, Some of them are particularly clunky. Yeah, which we'll mention, but yeah, just to let you know, just nobody. General, no one can act. And, and the cinematography is really fucking weird. It's it, awful. It looks like someone doesn't know how to use a camera. Everyone looks like they're really ill all the time because of the lighting. And, yeah. And the soundtrack is honestly royalty-free scores. Yeah, Generic it's, horror. It's, yeah. It's barely, I barely even notice the score. It's just... Um, so... All the girls hate Sarah. They all hate Sarah. And as this sequence goes on, it's uh, edited with uh, the opening credits, which are ripping off American Horror Stories opening credits. They're like dingy, gritty shots of uh, random objects of in the orphanage. It's it's bullshit. Um, Sarah's birthday's underway, and uh, the the is it her mum? Well, no, it's an orphanage, isn't it, hun? Yeah, but the way she was going on about this Sarah, you'd think it was her daughter. Well, yeah, I just call her orphanage woman. Well, yeah, orphanage, orphanage woman. Lady. We don't find her name. We don't actually find out her name, but the the orphanage lady is she's fuming on the phone. Yeah, she's getting cake ready. Um, she's absolutely fuming because somebody who we, we never find out who it is. <laughs> um, is not turned up for Sarah's birthday, even though she turned he or she. Uh, always turns up for the other birthdays and Sarah feels left out and Sarah likes this person uh, who's on the <laughs> yeah. other end of the line. I have no fucking clue who it is. We never find out who it is. It's like, get here in 30 minutes or we're going to have a problem. Yeah. And then a plate smashes on its own and she's like, ah! She is, yeah. But then nothing comes of it. <laughs> no, no the, the, the plate just falls. She screams. So the girls are going to the basement they, uh, they dare Sarah to go down there and they say that one of the girls is going to keep time of it. And the girl says, my watch keeps good time. <laughs> yeah, and it's said just like that as well. But the girls go down to the basement, so the idea is they're not allowed in the basement. Yeah, so they send, they send Sarah they send down there Sarah for five down minutes. They send Sarah down to go for five minutes. So Sarah has an old-fashioned lamp, which I don't understand why, because it's 2004. <laughs> uh, she looks like fucking Florence Nightingale down there. <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> yeah, and it's really badly lit. Is there no lights on the wall? It's 2004. <laughs> and, and we also find out later that the fucking washing machine's down there. Like, there's a fucking utility room down there, but the girls aren't allowed to go down, and yeah, they have to use... that's where it is in The Conjuring too. But they have to find... You have to use an old-fashioned light to get to the fucking washing machine. Why are social services not closing this place down? Yeah, and why is there only one person looking after these girls? I, is that... Yeah. But it's just, the, the one woman that's looking after them at this orphanage, <laughs> which is quite a big building, I would assume there would be more orphans there. There's only five of them. There's only five of them. Um, but it's quite a big place, which is why it's weird for a family of four to move in anyway, afterwards, but whatever. Um, so this orphan, uh, the orphanage lady... She's the only one looking after them. And anyway, whatever. Yeah, so uh, Sarah sees some flashes of dolls and a, and a ghost lady in a chair. And uh, we don't see her for a bit. The girls are all having a conversation about keeping it quiet to orphanage lady. Which is dumb. Just fucking tell her. Yeah. Yeah, and when she's down in the basement, there's this really shit flashing light bullshit yeah. that you see in every fucking horror film. <laughs> where it's inexplicably dark. And then it's flashing, like, this... I, I don't know, like, somebody's taking photos, that sort of flashing that's used in every fucking yeah. shit horror film. So, orphanage lady's questioning it. She wants to know uh, where uh, where Sarah is. And uh, the girls are the most awful liars I've ever seen in any film. Like, um... Oh, we don't know. Um... Uh, I'm not sure. Um... And they just keep doing that constantly. And... Uh, <laughs> But then one of the girls is like, at the end, oh, she's using the bathroom. And the lady's like, oh, okay, that's fine. Why didn't you just tell me that from the beginning? (laughs) Because this film tries to make up time to try and reach some sort of feature length. length, Yeah. uh, To try and get as close to an hour and a half as possible. So we get conversations like this constantly. So, yeah, so orphanage lady goes on the phone again. She's still fuming. And this time a jug falls up, falls on the floor, and she's like, "Ha!" Ah! Again, yeah, again, nothing comes from it. Well, it's quite clearly pushed off camera. Yeah. So <laughs> the the um the shot is so that we can't see, like what would clearly probably be some an assistant who's just pushed it yeah. off the counter underneath. So it's made to look like it goes flying, but because we can't see underneath the bowl or whatever the fuck it was, then it's quite clearly someone's just pushed it off. Yeah. Sarah comes back to the party. She's got a fringe now, so we know she's possessed. And uh, she grabs a knife that was left on the table in front of all these kids. This massive kitchen knife. Absolutely humongous fucking knife. And this is a woman looking after orphans. Yeah. And she just leaves it there. Yeah. I don't understand why, and I don't know if it's an American thing, I don't know, it happens in quite a few American films. Um, But there's this cake there, and cake's not a hard substance. You're not (laughs) cutting open a watermelon. You know, it's not it's not necessary to have such a big sharp knife. Yeah. Um, But that's the one she chose to use, and she just left it there for the girls. Which is which is actually quite frequent throughout this film, mm-hmm. where massive sharp knives are left um, in easy-to-reach places. Yeah. So, Sarah murders everyone uh, off-camera, whilst uh, the orphanage lady comes back with the same jug 
completely fall to the length it was before it fell over. And uh, she's murdered everyone, but one of the girls she particularly dislikes, I think it was the one whose watch keeps good time, she pulls her fucking insides out. <laughs> like, why was her insides hanging out? It was so unnecessary for, for what is quite a dry film from yeah. now on. There's only a few moments of sort of violence. It, but when they, you have these moments of violence, they're like slasher film level yeah. violence. I don't get why. Why did this... Small child have to have her insides out. <laughs> first scene. Well, Sarah's playing ball, and then we get a news report. Reporter Lee and a surname that I kind of begin to try and pronounce, but I don't know why her surname was that. She was just an American reporter. Yeah. But it's this real complicated to pronounce surname. Um. So she's reporting the incident, and she grows. She shows the photos on the news report. And it shows the girl with her fucking insides hanging out. It does. <laughs> but with her face censored. A, a face is censored, though. But you can see her insides hanging out. But this is, again, I don't know if this is a, an American thing or not. Uh, but do you remember in A Nightmare on Elm Street? Mm. When Marge is watching the news and it's got Tina's body in a, in a body bag. And her arm just flops <laughs> yeah. out on the news, like covered yeah, in they're blood. Doing, um, Amityville Horror, they do it. The same thing. It's... Yeah. So I don't know if it's an American thing where all this violence is on the news. Where they just show these dead bodies. I mean, it might just be a film thing. I, I don't know. I don't know. But, um, yeah, we... <laughs> The news reporter conveniently gives us a lot of exposition and uh, she tells us how four years later Sarah killed herself in that very house. There's a lady called Hester who originally lived there and she hung herself after having a stillborn baby. Uh, there's some murders nearby that was blamed on Hester and uh, we get a psychic, a paranormal investigator who has done an EVP inside the house and has picked up some... Uh, royalty free giggling yeah like <laughs> so when is this set so when is the news story set 2008 2008 because it's four years after yeah but then the the bulk of this story is set in Modern present day. day okay so this news story um is inexplicably flickering as yeah if, as if it's like an old news story it's, it's like it's a found footage film and a ghost is about to appear yeah um I don't understand why because it's like 2008 because that's what people expect to see from horror films but yeah so <laughs> so the idea is that this is a news story it's newsworthy uh-huh. all of this um you know and I would assume that this information would be widely known. Yeah. Because of what happened there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just just reiterating that yeah. because um, we cut to present day. <laughs> Ten minutes in, we get a title card. <laughs> we call it present day, but the filter on the film makes it look like it is definitely trying to be The Conjuring. <laughs> so that filter that made it look like it was the 70s, because yeah. it was set in the yeah. 70s, is throughout this film. <laughs> so it's hard to tell that it's fucking present day. Yeah, they, we find out this family's got a bargain on their new house. We get the dad, who is Ben, the mum, Carol, uh, Avril Levine is the daughter. <laughs> also goes by the name Zoe. And uh, Alyssa, who is the younger girl. Um, Avril Lavigne, the teenage daughter, is basically an orgy of evidence that she he- that she's a moody teenager. 
She's fucking horrible, isn't she? She's horrible. She has a phone case that says fuck. It does. Nothing cares, just fuck. Uh, she's wearing black eyeliner and she just constantly says stuff like, oh, shut up. Whatever. It's so embarrassing. Constantly. Like, oh, she's so annoying. Oh my God, I hate you. You're not constantly. my real dad. Yeah. All, all the stereotypes, they're all in there. Um, she's on her phone. She doesn't care about anything else. The younger girl sees the house and she's like, oh, looks like where vampires live. And Avril Lavigne's like, shut up. And then uh, they get to the house and Ben's friend Teddy is waiting there. He's sold him the house. And uh, he's, uh, he, he welcomes him to the door of his girlfriend, Joan. So this this is uh, Ben's best friend, Teddy. Yeah, his best friend. It's said a few times throughout the film, his best friend, yeah. Teddy. Yeah. And the, he welcomes him with a quote from The Empire Strikes Back. Where he tells him, you've got a lot of, ner- you've got a lot of guts coming here after what you pulled. But it was like she said how I just said it. It, it. it was like he wasn't even trying to do the impression. Oh, is that what it was? Yes. Who says that in Empire Strikes Back? Lando. To uh, Han Solo. Oh. Oh, that makes more sense. Because I, I just... I put that down as a quote and just put her. But the funny thing is... I mean, he has pulled something. <laughs> yes, because he's, he's cheating on it. He's cheating he on his uh, wife with Teddy's girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> Well, they had, they had a little liaison, didn't they? Mm. But we'll come to that later when when all's revealed. So we get all the introductions. Chloe the dog, who is the best actor in this entire film, um, and has her own IMDb page, and it actually says she's an act- Chloe Bear is an actress known for American Conjuring, mm. and she's top build cast, first member of the cast list. Should be. So she runs off, and she doesn't want to be in this fucking shitty film. Uh, Alyssa chases after her, and. Uh, Hester, the ghost, watches Alyssa, Alyssa from the window. Ben wants to write a novel, just like, uh, you know, just like... <laughs> oh, just yeah, he does, doesn't he? It, it never comes back. It never comes back. He wants to write a novel, so he needs this room for his office. Yeah, he does. The mum absolutely despises Avril Lavigne. She fucking hates her. Well, you would. Like, this is, no, but this is real hate. Like, they must have hated each other, these actresses, because she is so... Fucking like in her face when she's having a go at her. She's a So Teddy, um, they, they list off why Avril's a uh, moody teenager, and Teddy's like, "Well, I enjoy the musical stylings of Fetus Grinder." Fetus. Fetus Grinder. And uh, he said, "Nothing bad's ever happened in the house." Yeah. Completely believable. What I don't understand is that we know something bad's happened yeah. in the house. What we establish is that Teddy has inherited this orphanage. Teddy and Ben are best friends. Mm. Teddy has been struggling to get rid of this orphanage for a long time. Surely that's a conversation you'd have with your best friend. <laughs> it's true. Surely this has come up. Surely th- they've bought this orphanage place. And w- what I find incredible is that this is the first time they've seen the fucking place, <laughs> even though they've bought it. What I find incredible is that this has been newsworthy for a long time now, what's <laughs> happened and all that bullshit. Why have they not Googled this place that they've just fucking bought, <laughs> sight unseen, even though it's his best fucking friend? I <laughs> Stupid, fucking stupid. 
plot. Fucking stupid storytelling. Oh. This family's the only family dumb enough to move there. And it often feels like a parody of Amsterdam yeah. Horror. It, it really does. I can't believe they thought this was serious. But this this sort of premise only works if somebody has inherited the fucking house. Mm. Or this is the first time anything weird has happened in the house. Yeah. That's the only time this works. Mm-hmm. It's the fact that... Are we meant to believe that Teddy has tried to sell this orphanage that he's inherited without ever speaking to his best friend about it. <laughs> oh, what you been up to? Oh, nothing. You know, there's just this orphanage that I've got that I'm trying to sell. Apparently it's haunted. Three three kids were murdered there. What the fuck? <laughs> and then they were having this boring fucking argument about rooms and teenage angst. And Teddy, for the first time, says, I'll show you the rest of the building. Mm. And then they're outside. This is after the, the um, is it the door slams? The door slams behind them and the mum just screams in uh, Avril's face about it. Yeah, saying that, you know, Avril pushed her or whatever. I don't fucking care. <laughs> so now they're outside and Alyssa comes along with the yeah. dog. And the dude's talking like... So Teddy's talking as if everything's been shown. You've seen the house. It's yours fantastic we've closed on it your money all that bullshit all that boring crap and then he goes um well first ellis is like oh who's the lady upstairs and like oh, no one's here oh, yeah yeah and then is it joan pulls up uh, no it's not joan's already there the person who pulls up is orphanage lady oh god yeah but he does say before that he's like come on i'll show you the rest of the house I'll show you the rest of the house <laughs> As if this is just the way that he ends conversations. Because <laughs> I've already seen the rest of them. They've already been round the whole fucking house. The only one who hasn't is Alyssa. Which they didn't care about showing her anyway. No. Because they just let her go after the dog. Yeah, so orphanage lady turns up and she's like, This man is not your friend. You need to get out. Terrible things have happened here. And uh, classic white family moving into a haunted house. Yeah, never mind. <laughs> we'll just carry on. <laughs> well, a classic white person, um, you know, uh, informing people of imminent danger, <laughs> not being specific at all. I know, yeah. <laughs> it's got a death curse. Well, what, why has it got a death curse? What's been happening here? Explain. <laughs> Should, oh, and, and then Teddy was like, oh, I thought this was going to happen. Yeah, he's like, oh, look, I'm going to call the police on you. Get out of here. And he says, if you fuck this up for me, you'll regret it. Mm. So, oh, is that a threat? But she's like... And she does willingly she's go. She's seriously like, oh, terrible things have happened here. Yeah. Be more specific. You've got your time. You've got your audience. Just mm-hmm. say it. Yeah. Three children were murdered. Yeah. But then she's but just no, like, no. no. Okay, terrible things happened. See ya. Oh. She goes. Ben thinks that she was on the source. And he has had it with Zoe's attitude. Just Google, just Google the house, just Google it. Yeah. Somebody's told you that you're in imminent danger and terrible things have happened there. Get on your, get on your phone. Avril's always on her fucking phone. It's true. Google it, <laughs> and you'd know. And then we have a conversation about how girls love pink. Yeah. Which is fantastic. Yeah. Um. Ben is uh, in a scene taken straight from Amazville Horror. He's chopping wood. He's chopping. And because he he's... thinks he's uh, Ryan Reynolds in the remake, he takes his shirt he off. He takes his shirt off. It's bare-chested, 
Wood chopping. As far as I know, the directors of this film are heterosexual males. But there's a lot of close-ups on the male body in this film. Yeah, yeah. There's a, I mean, there's not a single bit of female nudity, but there's a partial male nudity. This is That's unusual for uh, horror. Yeah, but it probably wouldn't have cost extra. I just, I always remember the story from, um, oh, what was that cheapo horror film with Kristen Davis? Uh, oh, Charlotte from um, Sex and the City. Doom, Doom Asylum. Asylum. Yeah. Doom Asylum, which is actually a good, quite a good film. I recommend checking it out. But they had to pay the actress $100 for her to show her boobs. Mm-hmm. Um, this guy probably did a little bit of work out beforehand. Yeah. <laughs> and like, can I have these scenes with my top off, please? Which also you can get I, his ass out. Which also, I think, occurs in Mandy as well. <laughs> Mandy, the, uh, oh, at the yeah. beginning, where the, the boyfriend's always got yeah. his top off. It's like, oh, I've been working out quite a bit recently to... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> to be in the film. Can I just take my top off in this scene? Yeah, yeah, yeah of course, mate. Go on. <laughs> so he's chopping up this wood and he hears a noise. And he's like, ha ha, playing a joke on me, are ya? <laughs> oh, and then goes on about that for a bit, talking to himself. He talks to himself a lot. He does. And then he finds an orphanage sign. He's like, meh. Yeah, he finds <laughs> the sign for the orphanage as he's chopping wood. He's using it to chop his wood on. Yeah. Um, that sounds dirty, but it's not. Uh, um, and then he looks at it. He's like, uh, whatever. And then just sort of throws it down. No one else finds it. No. Doesn't get thrown in the bin. Doesn't mention it. That... Doesn't mention it <laughs> that it used to be an orphanage. He might as well have found a sign saying this place is haunted, you're all going to die. <laughs> oh, my God. And it's got the name of the orphanage when it was established. Google that shit. Any normal person, even if you hadn't been warned that the place... You know, terrible things happened in the place. You would still see the sign and be like, "Oh, that's interesting. I wonder what the history of the place is like." <laughs> so Carol's cold, and Ben goes to check on the heat. He says, "And the fucking furnace is in the basement as well." <laughs> of course, it is. How can how can the kids not be allowed down in the basement? Or it's only the basement that was haunted in two thousand and fucking four, or whatever, whatever the fuck was happening down there. When clearly that orphanage lady must have been going down there to do her fucking yeah. laundry and going down there to put the fucking furnace on. <laughs> so here's more noises. I'm quite angry. I'm quite angry at these two films because they're so bad, and for the I've, for the first time really we've been doing this podcast. And I was making my notes as we were watching it, particularly at the end of Mandy, because we watched them back to back. I was like, I just don't fucking care anymore. Just get it over <laughs> and done with. I don't give a shit. At least in American Conjuring, it achieves that, that thing that some comedies can't even achieve, where it's trying so hard to be serious, but it ends up just being really fucking funny. And, uh, yeah, you can't... And um, it, It's something that's been said about showgirls constantly, um, is that film cannot be that funny or that kind of funny mm. if it's deliberately trying to yeah. be funny. It has to take itself 100% seriously for it to be that funny. And that's what American Conjuring does. And, mm. that, you know, it's worth watching alone for that. There are so many funny moments. 
that you know the directors were clearly looking at and like oh oh do you know what this would be really good this would be really this scary oh this would be great oh yeah this oh be maybe we watched The Shining last week shall we <laughs> let's, have a, let's have a scene in the shower where she turns into a haggard woman but then yeah. you got Mandy Mandy the Wanted Doll where I think they literally just left cameras where they just said just do whatever you fucking want yeah. we don't care um, so yeah he goes to check on the heat the rocking chair in the basement starts moving. It's like, ha, ha. Fucking rocking the chair. old rocking chair joke. Ha, yeah. <laughs> ha, classic. My favourite. A ball rolls towards him and he knocks himself out because he's a fucking idiot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so the ball gets thrown out of nowhere. And then, I uh, don't know why, how he managed it, but he headbutts a, a pipe and knocks himself out. Yeah. Avril wants to be alone. Um, Carol, the mother thinks she needs to be more nice because that hasn't been said a thousand times already. And uh, Avril is absolutely fuming because they're all going to be sleeping in the same room tonight, and she doesn't want that. She wants her own independence. Yeah. So when it says in this little on the poster that I I read off, where it said, uh, oh, "What was the bit about familial?" Something about familial uh, uh, horror or, or something like that. Oh, familial discord. <laughs> so what it means by familial discord is that these fuckers argue and bicker <laughs> every single fucking scene. And they can't have one dinner without fucking bickering. Uh, about, oh, Zoe's had a bad word. Zoe doesn't want to sleep here. Zoe wants to do this, that and the other. And then uh, I just, in fairness, I've just written them down as mum and dad <laughs> because it's reiterated constantly throughout the film that the dad wants to be called dad by Zoe, <laughs> uh, even though Zoe, he's not Zoe's real father. So I've just called them mum and dad because I feel that's how they yeah. want me to call them. So dad... Says, oh, we need to turn in soon. It's getting late. No, it fucking isn't. <laughs> it's, it's broad still, daylight. It's still fucking sunny outside. And you've just finished eating dinner. <laughs> and it's time for you to turn in. Well, Zoe, she, Avril gets her way in the end. And she sleeps in her own room. She does. In, in her sleeping bag. Uh, a door opens and there's someone there watching. And it makes her throw up all these worms and maggots and stuff. Yeah, so she pukes up, and it's all, like, it's yellow. It's yellow, isn't yeah. it? It's yellow. Yeah. And there's mainly maggots in there. Um, and she should probably go to the hospital after that. Yeah, but no, they take her out of her room, and then we just get the next day. Yeah, and they say, oh, we'll clean that up tomorrow. Yeah. And number one, ew, you tramps. You clean it up straight away. Don't be disgusting. <laughs> just fucking leave it there to stink the place out. And number two, it was quite clearly to everyone, quite clear to everyone, there were fucking maggots in that puke. <laughs> if I f- sat here and threw up and there were living maggots in it, <laughs> you bet your ass I'd be down to that hospital. What the f- <laughs> fuck? So. What the hell? Are you just going to ignore <laughs> these fucking maggots? So the next day, um, still not cleaning up the puke. Oh, and it's also still light outside. It's still when she light. up in the middle yeah. of the night. It's it, my biggest. They tried to edit it to make it look like it's night time. Exactly. But they fail. It's awful. It's awful. They just. It's like they just turned down the brightness. Yeah. 
uh, in the editing room to make it look like it's night time. Just film at night time. Yeah. What's the big deal? Just, but not yeah. afford lighting. So uh, the next day, Carol's putting the laundry in the basement and uh, Elisa jumps out at her because she loves doing a few fake jump scares. It's like Elisa. <laughs> and uh, Carol's like, oh, you scared the daylights out of me. And uh, then she's like, what are you doing? And then Carol's like, oh, I heard a creepy child laughing in the basement. I thought it was you. And uh, Alyssa's like, I saw a lady in the window. She looked dead. And then Carol's like, nah, it's fucking bullshit. And like, you just told her. You just told her you heard someone laughing in the basement. But she's bullshitting you because she saw someone in the window. So Carol sees a ball and she runs away screaming. (laughs) Yeah. The ball was not covered in blood. Let's just get that out there. Well, it's meant to be covered in blood, but the um, the effects on, on the film, whatever, are so bad that it just looks like mud. Yeah. Uh, well, it, it actually doesn't look like anything at all until sort of later on, does it? No. It, just, it looked no. like a clean ball. She goes to tell Ben about it, and from the moment she tells him that she needs him for something, he is fucking raging. <laughs> he is so angry... And uh, he, he accuses her of just making up excuses because she doesn't want to put the laundry away. Um, she apologises to him, but then goes on to say she's not lying. Uh, and it's just a boring yeah. fucking Oh, fucking just arguing again. Yeah. He, ben finds blood in the laundry basket, but doesn't think to say anything. No. Uh, Alyssa doesn't ever want to fake jump scares, but this time she actually makes a jump scare sound effect noise out of her mouth. Yeah, but we see her coming. Yeah. So we see her coming. Avril's there smoking on a phone. And uh, Alyssa jumps out and she's like, yeah! And it's like this fucking sound effect just added in. Yeah, well, it's that jump scare yeah, noise. Yeah, but, but why? We've seen her coming. It's... Yeah, we, who's who's the sound effect for? No. Is it... Does, for she, does she actually make that noise? <laughs> <laughs> she asks Avril if she's sending pictures of her private parts again. And then Avril tells her that she wishes Alyssa was never born. And storms off. <laughs> yeah. uh, Alyssa screams at the camera for some reason. Uh, Zoe trespasses and Alyssa starts drawing. Oh, yeah. So so Alyssa screams at the camera. I think, yeah. I think the idea is that the, the old hag has come to attack her. No, I call it the we old hag. We don't see that, of course. We don't, no. No. So I, I, think, I think this is when Alyssa gets possessed. Yeah. Possessed. But you don't know because every now and then they go, they go yeah. in and out of being possessed. Uh huh. Inexplicably, like in the films, it's ripping off. In Amityville Horror, when Ryan Reynolds leaves the house, or or when um, can't remember his name, replaces him in the original. Uh, uh, James Brolin. Yeah, when James Brolin leaves the house, that's when they go back to normal. Yeah. They they're not possessed. In this. They could just change rooms and they won't be possessed anymore. Yeah. But then it would go back and then it'll be possessed again. Yeah. It just it's so in and so out. So inconsistent. Whoever did the editing had no idea what to put where, clearly. No. And is it is it meant to be a creepy child film? Uh, you know, is, is it the kid that's possessed? But then it turns into the dad being possessed. It's a genre mashup, Chris. Anyway. Um so Alyssa's in the basement and she's uh, drawing some pictures. She's humming Insurance Spider. And then she goes into the utensils box, pulls out an extra large knife and begins to start... She starts cutting her arm open. And in one of the most bizarre sequences of events in this film, 
Um, Carol goes down. She finds her cutting her arm. She takes her up to the kitchen, runs it under a tap. And she's cutting really deep into her arm. Yeah. Right? Really fucking she's deep. She's really hacking at it. Yeah. Honestly, thought she was going to cut her arm off. So she takes her upstairs. Ben comes back. And she tells her to take her to the hospital and whatnot. And she tells him that it happened by Alyssa reaching into the utensil box and running into a knife. Bitch. No, it didn't. No. You literally watched her cutting her arm. Yeah. There was no accident about it. You've seen no. this happen. But then later on, she brings up the fact that, oh, I did see her and she was hacking yeah. into her arm. Well, why are you lying, yeah. bitch? Why are you lying? Why Why choose now to lie? So Ben takes us to the hospital. Avril's out in the woods and uh, she gets a phone call from the ghost. Uh, her ringtone <laughs> is just generic metal music. Yeah. What the fuck did she get a phone call from the ghost? And uh, the ghost like Zoe. Zoe. And so she runs away. Well, she sees so a Halloween decoration. Oh my god, <laughs> this shit-looking hanging corpse. <laughs> but so like, there's a tree in the middle of the shop, and when obviously this is meant to be a point of view shot from uh, Avril's point of view. When she looks from the left side of the tree. There's nothing there. So when she looks around the tree, there's nothing there. When she looks around the tree from the right, there's a hanging corpse. And it does this a few times. Mm -hmm. I don't fucking know why. Why? What's the point of that? It's not even a cool shot. It was not even a cool (laughs) shot. Um, Carol finds all of Alyssa's stereotypical creepy child drawings (laughs) of people being killed. Ben and Alyssa come home. Uh, continuing that weird sequence of events, uh, where Alyssa now just has a plaster on her arm. She does. Social services have not questioned this whatsoever. No. And uh, we find out that she she wasn't cut too deeply, and they're in broccoli for dinner. Yucky. Yeah, she wasn't cut too deeply, but still needed stitches. Yeah. Carol's smoking now because of this. She shows Ben the pictures, and he doesn't find it weird. And uh, and then uh, we, we find out that she actually did actually cut herself properly. It wasn't an accident. And, uh, and Ben says, fuck. And amongst all these things happening, Carol's biggest concern is his language. So what's your language? Oh, my God. They're constantly having a go at each other for swearing. Or everyone in this fucking film has a go at each other for swearing. It's half the arguments they have. Yeah. Um, what I don't understand is that this child has gone to um, hospital, which what should have been a fairly deep cut mm-hmm. uh, from a knife. He would have explained it's from a knife. Mm-hmm. Um, that wouldn't have happened in an accident, really. No. Not, not with a knife, no. not on the arm. If it was a finger or anything like that, you know, that would be... But the girl has clearly deliberately cut herself mm-hmm. or somebody has cut her. Yeah. You know, the, the, that sort of cut doesn't happen otherwise. So no child psychologist has been called. No social services. It's just like, okay. No, there's not go like, back now. Yeah, I'll just fall over and graze herself. Yeah. So Carol thinks the house is haunted and possessed. She wants to leave. Ben gets violent by putting his hands on her shoulders a bit. And uh, he wants to know what's wrong with... Uh, after this... Uh, after the sequence of events where he puts his hand on her shoulder and pushes her a bit, we cut to the next scene and he's like, 
Hey, Carol, what's wrong? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Um, and then they have a laugh in bed together, like, oh, I always thought you were crazy anyway, silly bitch. But it's weird, because the dad doesn't believe the mum. No. Uh, about what's going on, until she mentions Zoe being chased in the woods. And then he gets really protective, and he's like, oh, we need to find out who it is, and I'll get them. But doesn't believe any of the other weird stuff that's going on. No. So the idea is, if this is an Amityville rip-off, then the dad should be possessed. And he's been possessed since he was chopping wood. Yeah. Aggressively. And he's been aggressive ever since. Mm-hmm. So why would he not believe the weird stuff, but only believe the Zoe being chased part? Surely he would dismiss it all. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but they they it's they change it throughout. Like one minute he believes it's going on, then the mum believes it yeah. is, and it they can't both believe at the same time. Um, so a rocking chair appears in their bedroom, and uh, Carol and Ben start having sex. Hester sits there watching them. Uh, they even do the same position as the one from Amityville Horror. That's how much they're ripping this fucking film off. Were they fully dressed in Amityville Horror? Uh, no, no, that's that's the difference. Yeah, they're, they're both fully dressed. And uh, Hester plays a trick and she turns into Carol. And after this, Ben pushes Carol off, off, top, off the top of him. And uh, Carol is absolutely fuming about this because he says she was on top of me. And Carol's like... Oh, so you're thinking of another woman. <laughs> and then she calls him crazy because he thinks there's something strange going on with the house. Yeah. <laughs> this is so badly edited that none of the scenes make sense in the overall well, scope of the film. The next day, Carol's like, hey, I think all right. You okay, hun? Like, you were literally just screaming at him in yeah. the last scene. Is this, and he's angry with her yeah. the next day. But surely this is the moment where he becomes uh, possessed when Supposedly. he shagged the old hag, yeah, the, the Hester. So orphanage lady turns up, and uh, she tells Ben and Carol that they're in danger, especially Alyssa, but doesn't explain why. Yeah, she still doesn't explain why. And also, he's like, "Aren't you the lady that came about a few days ago?" And started why? yelling at my buddy. Yeah, why is it taking her a few days to come back? Yeah. Well, what's she been off doing? What's she been thinking? And she been thinking, oh, well, what way should I approach this again? Oh, well, let's do exactly the same thing where I turn up and start shouting um, and being really unclear about what's actually happened at this place. That'll work. That'll work. It, 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 it didn't work the first time, but let, let's give it a go. Do you know what I'll do now? I'll wear my glasses this time and maybe they'll believe me. Yeah. Because you can always believe someone wearing glasses must be intelligent. Well, she has a business them. card as well. She does have a business She card. gives a business card. She's got a home number on there and a mobile number. What's the business? Surely, uh, oh no, it can't not be looking after children again. <laughs> because whatever happened at the beginning would never have happened if she hadn't left that knife lying around. It's true. If she had done her duty and not left big fucking knives lying around for kids to get, then none of this would have happened. None of this film would have fucking happened. <laughs> So, yeah. So she surely cannot be a childminder, I tell it's you. It's true. Um, I mean, if you saw a kid with her insides hanging out, you'd assume there would have been the adult that would have done it anyway and not the fucking child. That's true. 
So, uh, Ben... Which I think it was being filmed. Ben now has uh, an assembly, uh, an assemble of um, weapons. Mm-hmm. He has a chainsaw that he's uh, hacking the tree apart with. Chloe the dog has one shot of her barking and it's just edited in a loop over and over again and it looks so weird. It does. Uh, so he's had enough of this, of this loop, so he axes Chloe the dog up. Um, and Carol gets the kids, they run into the car and Ben then chases them with a drill. So he had access to a chainsaw, an axe and a drill. Yeah, and but then kind of stops when he gets to the car yeah. to let them go. <laughs> Yeah, so then when they drive off, he just goes upstairs and laughs at the window for a bit. Does does he hack up the dog in Amityville Horror? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, exact yeah. same scene. Yeah, pretty much. Um, so Carol goes to meet up with orphanage lady, and they're in a cafe, and uh, Alyssa is drawing more pictures, and Avril, surprise, surprise, is on a phone. She's on her phone looking moody. And the uh, orphanage lady says, how much do you know about the place you bought? Well, fuck all, thanks to you, love. <laughs> you had your chance twice. Yeah. Now you're finally going to be more uh, clear about it all. She pulls out her orphanage scrapbook and <laughs> don't, gives, don't, this gives fucking them... scrapbook. <laughs> and gives them a full exposition this of what's gone on. This looks like a 14-year-old girl has made it <laughs> to put all her prom photos... And, you know, me and the girls, uh, spring break, whatever. It's like, <laughs> considering she's collected this scrapbook for evidence <laughs> of murder and evidence of paranormal uh, activity in this orphanage, it looks like, it seriously looks like a 14-year-old. But speaking of paranormal activity, you do know what this scene is taken straight from. no. Paranormal Activity, the marked ones, there's a scene where the daughter from part two comes back and she has a scrapbook of events that have happened oh on the God. years passing. The exact same scene. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> but this scrap... And I don't understand what's happened is that it's got silver glittery letters on the front. Um, what's this saying? Like, orphanage or whatever. Oh, yeah, orphanage history or something like yeah. that. Um, but there's like a letter missing, and so she scribbled it on and pen. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, so she pulls the scrapbook out, gives us the whole backstory that we already know, and uh, Alyssa walks over to her. And now, just before this, like Alyssa's been drawing pictures of things that are going to happen, and Alyssa brings this picture over, and she's like, Here, something for your scrapbook. <laughs> orphanage woman turns around to him and goes ugh what is this it's awful <laughs> she's judging her artistic creativity yet has she seen her own scrapbook yeah <laughs> it's a fucking child that drew it like she isn't going to do a fucking expert portrait but it's a picture of a guy hitting a woman over the head with a hammer yeah. isn't it um, so apparently Alyssa can see into the future now who <laughs> That, that hadn't come up before, to be fair, so... Um, but, yeah, so the orphan lady also says, whilst they're at the cafe, um, about Teddy, he's been trying to unload that place for ages <laughs> until you moved to town. Which I thought was... I, I didn't really get. Because, surely... If... So... I don't fucking... Do you know what? I don't fucking know. <laughs> it, 
the, the whole idea of Ben and Teddy being best friends makes no sense. It does. It just. No. It, it makes absolutely no sense whatsoever, because does Teddy live in town? If they're best friends, surely they live in the same city. Yeah. So if they live in the same city as this orphanage, they really should have heard the story. Mm -hmm. Because it only happened in 2004, where, you know, so Ben and Carol would have been living around there at that time and would have heard the story. So does that mean Teddy lives very far away and Ben's moved... Away from oh, I'm thinking too much into yeah, it you are. because then we get into the fact that <laughs> be, later on Ben calls Joan and Joan takes absolutely no time to get there. Yeah, so Joan must be living in the same fucking city. So anyway, <laughs> fucking hell. Back in the house, uh, there's a woman in the shower, uh, Ella the Shining, and she asks Ben to come and scrub her back. It's Carol, isn't it? Well, it looks like... I couldn't make out who it actually it, was The her. lighting was so shit. It, I think it was meant to be Carol. So Ben takes all his clothes off. You see his ass. Uh, <laughs> it gets in... They remember that. It's important. You see the side of it as well. It looks like there's nothing on. He's not wearing anything. So he gets in the shower. He has a kiss with uh, fake Carol. And then she turns into Hester. <gasps> but... When Ben falls over, you can see quite clearly, no matter how bad the lighting is, that he's clearly wearing a jock strap. Yeah. <laughs> but also when he gets out. Yeah. He, he's quite clearly wearing a jock strap. So why didn't they just. Why didn't they just cut the, crop the shot? To, so we didn't see. Why did, why did we even have to see him get out of the fucking shower we didn't if need it's going to gonna ruin the illusion? Of him getting in the shower, sexy time with his missus, <laughs> who turns into a hag. Yeah. <laughs> and if you're going to copy the fucking Shining, why did he even have to be undressed? Why didn't... Just fucking copy the Shining. Because he loves showing off his body. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> so after this, uh, we see a phone and it's, we see the caller ID. It's getting a phone call from Douchebag. And we see it's Joan's phone. Oh. And the douchebag is, in fact, Ben. It is. And we find out they've been having an affair. And uh, he asks her to come over. And when she does, he sniffs her hair and takes her to the kitchen because he has something to show her. Yeah. So I don't know why he's douchebag on her phone. Yeah. When, yeah, they were both having an affair with each other. Uh-huh. There's absolutely no context to this. No. Uh, affair. We get a, a slight flashback to uh, later on, don't we? Yeah. Um, but th- there's no insinuation that an affair's gone on. It doesn't tell you how long it's gone on for, how their relationship has, has been at all, apart from she calls him douchebag on his phone. <laughs> on her phone. Uh, he, well, he takes her to the kitchen, uh, shows her Alyssa's drawings, and then he kills her with a stapler noise. Stapling. Yeah, it's a stapling noise, but it's with a hammer. Yeah. As uh, Alyssa's prophecy foretold. Yeah. <laughs> um, he, he knows what Hester wants him to do now, so he goes to Teddy's house, ties up Teddy, and he puts on... Uh, how do you describe this outfit he wears when he's got the burner? He's got, like, a torch, and he wears, like, protection. Oh, Yeah. Oh, yeah, like, oh, I don't know. How he's in full describe? attire, like, he has to do some wielding. 
Um, yeah, it looks like he's about to do some welding. It looks like um, the old 80s, uh, is 80s film, The Exterminator. Yeah. Yeah, it looks like that. So he's in full attire for that. Very elaborate, because then he's only possessed. And considering he's not going to do anything about it, yeah, he doesn't set fuck all on fire. He tells Teddy that he shouldn't have fucked with his family and his money. <laughs> yeah. uh, he then beats him. Well, first of all, we get a real close-up shot of uh, Teddy's legs, big hairy legs for a long time. We do. Um, he then beats Teddy with a sledgehammer, beats his knees, and uh, Teddy tells him he knew all about the affair. And we get a prolonged flashback. Yeah, so it's a flashback to... They're flirting at a party. Um, and then they go to a car and make out. Teddy's trying to find Joan, seemingly. Uh, finds them making out in the car, but does absolutely nothing about it. Yeah. Uh, doesn't say or do anything. Um, and the, the whole idea is that this has ruined Teddy's life. Apparently. Even though him and Joan are still together. Yeah. He hasn't mentioned it to anyone that he knew. Um, seemingly the affair has ended and that's the mm-hmm. only thing that happened between... I don't fucking know. Oh, also, I find it... Again, many, 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 many stupid decisions are made in this film. Um, for Ben and Joan to go to a car that is very, very close to the party they're at. <laughs> to have a little make-out session. Uh, yeah, fucking stupid. They're not even trying to hide it at They're all. They're not. No, no. So, but apparently, this ruins Teddy's life. It ruins his life, and um, this whole orphanage shenanigans is revenge. Yeah, which is supposedly stupid in itself. But it's an amazing twist, apparently, to the reviews. <laughs> so uh, Ben goes to his little uh, tray of torture devices because we're in saw now, apparently, mm-hmm. and he gets uh, he gets a drill, and he drills Teddy in the head. Yeah. He takes him out to his garden to bury him. Yeah. And he says to him, wow, I always knew you were full of shit, Teddy, but I didn't know you had this much blood in you. <laughs> Sick burn. Um, so he buries him. Later that night, Teddy comes out of the ground, but it was all just a dream. Yeah, so Ben's in his car and wakes up abruptly after uh, Teddy rises from the grave. But again, Teddy's got his top off for some reason. Um, Well, this is very Inception, isn't it? Yeah. A dream within a dream. We'll see and find out within another dream. Yeah. The girls all go home with Orphanage Lady. They do. Orphanage Lady and Carol go to investigate the house and get some bits and bobs. And they go to investigate in the dark, yeah. which I don't understand they why. They can't turn the lights on. As the Yeah, and who's cut the electrics? <laughs> I don't get it. Alyssa tells Avril that Daddy's not okay. He did something very bad and he's not finished yet. So, Carol and... Well, I'm assuming she's referring to Joan, but she, he also had well, to... Well, he did a lot dog. of... I mean, he did have yeah. a dog in front of him. Yeah. So, uh, after this... Carol and Orphanage Lady go into the house. Ben comes home and Alyssa says, uh-oh, daddy's home. <laughs> he kills Orphanage Lady, beats her to death. Well, with an axe. With an it? axe. The same way he did the dog in. Yeah. Uh, he tries to strangle Clo- uh, Carol and he hits Avril. Uh, Alicia stabs him very effortlessly. Stabs him in the back. Yeah, so this is a time where it's quite fortunate that the uh, knife is in easy reach. Yeah. So... Uh, she just nonchalantly goes to the kitchen, 
goes into the drawer, pulls out the massive yeah. knife. You think they would have been a little more careful after what happened earlier, <laughs> but whatever. And stabs him in the back. Yeah. And then he wakes up. Yes. And we find out that he it was all just a dream from the moment when he knocked himself out in the basement earlier on. Yeah, a dream within a dream. Fucking dumb twist. Fucking stupid. Everyone's all happy now. Ben wants to move. He's like, I'm not, I don't think I'm happy here. Uh, Alyssa gives him a drawing of uh, someone being decapitated. And Carol walks up behind him and slits his throat and calls him a cheating bastard. Uh, Avril walks in. So, oh, is it all done now or whatever she says? And then they all go for ice cream and it's the end. I would be inclined uh, with a, a normal film to go back and see how the twist changed the story. So the whole idea is that everything that happened before he knocked himself out was real. Mm-hmm. And then everything from that until, you know, he wakes up mm-hmm. is a dream and never really happened. I literally, I don't give a shit. No. I really couldn't care less, whatever. It just is what it is. I don't care how it changes what happened before. Uh, I'm pretty certain that that leaves plot holes, but I don't Of course it care. does. So we have half an hour left. Uh, is is that going to be enough to discuss Mandy the Haunted Doll? Well, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Okay, well, we'll start now, we'll make then. it quick. <laughs> In 1910, Ma- Molly Goodwin died. Her doll became a vessel for her tortured soul, we are told through a title card. Ooh. We see two boys uh, locking a girl and a doll in a church cupboard. Yeah. She supposedly dies, freezes to death, and then we're told it's three weeks ago. Uh, so that happened in 1910. Yeah. But it doesn't tell us that it happened in 1910. It doesn't tell us that it does. It, makes, it, it doesn't it say 1910. So then it cuts to... Three weeks ago. So we're assuming it's three weeks ago from... In modern day. Modern day. I honestly, at first, I was a little confused because I thought this was three weeks ago in 1910. Yeah. Uh, so there's a girl telling her boyfriend about a weird babysitting job she's been doing. Um, her she, topless boyfriend. A topless boyfriend. Somebody who's been working out and clearly wants to get it on screen. Yeah. She didn't see the kid while she was there. She only heard it. And uh, we get a knock on the door and he's furious. Oh, it's your fucking dad again. He's always coming round to your dad. And these people have got Australian accents for some for reason. some reason. Well, she's Australian. I don't think he is. I don't know what he is. It's confusing. Yeah. Um, but a box has been left at the door with a doll in it. Yeah. And the doll has a cracked eye slash face. Yeah. So it's cracked around the face. So, uh... She, when she takes him to the living room, she sits there with her, with her boyfriend and she's telling him the legend of Mandy the doll whilst Googling it. Yeah, she Googles it on her phone. Well, she's pretending she knows it off by heart, but she's Googling it at the exact same time. <laughs> yeah. So, well, he, before that, uh, he gives her a, a jump scare with a cheap bottle of wine. Yeah. She's like, oh, bring us in a bottle of wine, not the expensive one, the cheap one. <laughs> <laughs> He's topless throughout this whole thing. Yeah, it, every, all of his screen time is topless. So she's Googled uh, Molly, Mandy, the doll, Mandy whatever. The doll. And she says 10 years since uh, the doll was last seen. Yeah. When a pregnant lady bought her at a car boot sale. <laughs> which is which is the story to Annabelle, isn't it? it pretty much. Pretty much. Near enough the same. Um, yeah. And uh, she says that the old lady that she babysat for has to have been the one that left... 
the doll. Yeah. Um, she had loads of creepy dolls and cracked it when I left, which I don't understand what cracked it meant. As in cracked the doll. Yeah, the doll was already cracked. Yeah, the doll was already cracked. So I don't know if she cracked up. Mm. Um, I don't understand the well, context. Oh, of the oh she's, she, yeah, so maybe she cracked up because she desperately wants her back. Yeah, and, and she calls her. She keeps begging her to come her. back. Um, uh, the, this blonde lady, she's a bit worked up. She gives herself a mirror pep talk. Yeah, say stop being ridiculous. Uh, she's getting these anonymous calls saying, uh, she says, "I told you, I didn't want to babysit for you anymore." Mm-hmm. Um, the lights go out. Don't they? Yeah, the lights go out. Uh, it's pure darkness. Um, uh, where it looks like they've literally just shown a black screen with a voiceover. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's complete. It, it's meant to be completely black because it's night and they can't see a thing. Yeah. Fortunately for both of them, there are torches handy. Yeah. Uh, they both end up with torches. I don't know who has so many torches lying around in their house. <laughs> yeah, Mark uh, sees someone who is a boyfriend sees someone underneath a sheet. Uh, but he hears his girlfriend's voice from another room, so he knows it's not her. And he is killed oh. by this sheet. You see a splatter of blood. On his torch. Yeah, on his torch. His girlfriend finds his dead body, and Mandy's there, the doll. And she says, play with me. Oh, no, sorry. It's play with me. Yeah. Like, she's proper cockney. <laughs> yeah. And then we get the opening credits over footage of a road. Why don't I fucking get this? Is that the credits roll... Literally over footage of a a road, yeah, so like a motorway, and we're meant to seem like we're speeding along, like the end of Terminator Two. But it, yeah, <laughs> but it's just the road, like yeah. a close up of the road. It has nothing to do with the film. Absolutely nothing to do with the film. But we no get this for twelve whatsoever. Twelve minutes in, we get like yeah. the other film. Twelve minutes in, we get this. Yeah, there's only an hour left of the film at this point. Thank God. If it's this film is an hour and eighteen minutes long, and it felt like it was four hours. <laughs> So we cut to present day. Yes, and Chambers Prison. Chambers Prison, London. So this is three weeks after the former scene. It's just done in a really <laughs> awkward way. <laughs> like three weeks ago and then we go to present day. Yeah. So present day could be three weeks ago. It's present day. Oh, whatever. Whatever. <laughs> anyway, this is three weeks after the blonde girl and uh, topless boyfriend got murdered. Yeah. By Mandy. And so uh, this girl's being released from prison. And a car pulls up to pick her up. And we get this really badly dubbed uh, bit of dialogue. Where the, the girl in the car's like, you didn't think we'd forget you, did you? And it, it honestly, her mouth does not move at the same time. No, it doesn't. And I don't know what accents any of these people yeah. are for. So the two main girls, Amber and her sister Carly, uh, they're trying to do an American accent really badly failing and this really shows in the oh. next scene my favourite scene of the entire film uh, where Amber is having a burger that Carly brought for her she's eating this um, by a beach in a little hut and she's like oh my god this burger tastes amazing holy shit and Neil who is Carly's boyfriend is like oh been a while huh and he's proper cotton he's not trying to put an accent on and she's like do you have any more? Bitch, have you never had a burger before? What do you mean, do you have any more? Just go and fucking buy one. <laughs> the idea is that she hasn't had a burger in a very long time. Yeah. So Neil, who is always angry, he yeah. is constantly angry always all the time. Angry. So he's given him a briefing about a babysitting robbery job 
uh, for Amber. She's just got out from prison for Robin, but they want us to do another job. Uh, this is basically the premise for Don't Breathe, where yeah. they, they're going to rob a house that's going to go wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they've stolen that. Uh, she's not happy about it. Carly talks her into it, and she's like, what's the worst that could happen, Ha! Huh? And then she agrees to it. Yeah. The, uh, the, what, what, I, I couldn't really get into the story because it was boring. Uh, <laughs> all this natter and chatter. What really pissed me off was the fact that the sun was setting <laughs> as they went to wherever they were, their little hideout or whatever. And then it seemed really bright. It still looked really bright, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the sun finally sets, and throughout the film we get lots of shots of either the moon in the sky or the sun in the sky or the sun setting, the sun rising for some reason. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, then the sun rises again. Neil explains <laughs> the job yet again. Yeah, we get this So he whole explains job the job again. twice. Uh, he talks as if he knows what the house looks like on the inside. Yeah. Which I, I, I don't get. Um, and he says, it's about time. Let's do this. Even though it's the morning. <laughs> um, so I, I, I don't understand how long he was actually talking for. Because surely the babysitting job is at night time. Yeah. Um, it, it's then evening or not. Because it looks dark. It's got that shit filter on it. Where it's yeah, the same as American Conjuring. It, exactly the same. Um, but then it looks light. Fuck, it gave me a fucking <laughs> headache. All this light and dark and trying to figure out the time scales and timeline. And three weeks ago this, <laughs> 1910 that. <laughs> fucking hell. So they go to the house where they're going to be babysitting. Now, in the plot, this is described as a manor. It's not a manor. It's, it's a terraced house, yeah. isn't it? It, it, it is literally a terraced house. It's a terraced house. Uh, for anyone, uh, I don't know if it's an English thing, but a terraced house literally means that it's attached to houses on each side. Did the neighbours not hear anything that happens so in the next exactly. few scenes? Exactly. There's screaming and shouting throughout the whole fucking film and none of the neighbours are woken up. Not to mention the fact that apparently this Mrs. O'Brien, she, Miss O'Brien, she makes a habit of doing this, and Mandy's done this to loads of other people. How has she never been arrested? How has exactly. this never been reported? Yeah. If this was set in the building from the first fucking film, American Conjuring, it would work. But it doesn't <laughs> work because the neighbours would have called the police. Yeah. So, Miss O'Brien lives alone. She has one child. And uh, when Amber gets to the house, the front door opens by itself. Amber lets herself in. She does. She still doesn't think to just stand there and wait for someone to come and greet her. She lets herself in, acts like she's suspicious of something happening, of course. Yeah. Because um, it's a horror film. And uh, she hears, she meets Miss O'Brien. And apparently Mandy opened the door. <gasps> Ooh. She opened the door for her. And just as Mrs. O- Mrs. O'Brien? Yeah. Mrs. O'Brien, whatever. Uh, just as she was settling her to sleep. Yeah. And, uh, I don't know what fucking time it is, because it's bright outside. It's bright outside. Amber hears them talking on the monitor. Mm-hmm. The baby monitor. And uh, after this, Miss O'Brien and Amber discuss the house rules over tea. So she's got a list of rules, and spoiler alert, she's babysitting a doll. Have we heard this somewhere before? This is literally the plot to the boy. Yeah. 
This is the yeah, exact is. plot. And the um the the rules are written on a sheet of A4 paper <laughs> in Sharpie, like black Sharpie <laughs> for some reason. And this house does not look uh, in Britain, you know, terraced houses, they, some of them are very nice, I mean, and all that, but it's not, this is not a manor, it's not a country manor, this isn't posh. In The Boy, the house was posh. Yeah. The, this isn't that posh, and it's not, you couldn't steal from the place, split 50 50, and have enough to run away. <laughs> Like, the plot of this uh, uh, film is meant to tell us. Yeah. So, Mrs. O'Brien leaves the monitors with Amber, including the video one. And as Mrs. O'Brien is leaving to go on a night, a top night out... Yeah, um, and as the door is wide open and we can see that yeah, it's clearly it's fucking clearly afternoon. daylight in the afternoon. Clearly, I'm sorry, this really pissed me off about this film. <laughs> really, really pissed me off. So, Amber asks her where she's goes, uh, just a gathering. And then she says, so, how old is Mandy? She's like... Well, it's rather rude to ask a woman's age. She's not a woman, she's a girl, and I'm pretty sure she's babysitting. She has every right to know how old she is. Yeah, and I don't I don't get... So this whole gathering thing, you, you think it's going to lead somewhere. No, like, she's generally just going for a night out. Yeah, like it's the occult, or, you know, she's, she's a witch, and she's part of this, and she's possessed Mandy, and, and all that shit. But no, she's like, I'm just going to a gathering. Yeah. It doesn't actually lead anywhere in the plot, so she could have just said where she was going. Yeah. It's meant to be, I don't know if it's a red herring or whatnot, but it's meant to be quite suspicious, but it didn't really fucking mean anything. No, no, we see her being dropped off by a Uber later on in the film. Yeah. So, Amber has a nose around the house. It's not a Uber, she drives. Does she drive? It seems like she was on the wrong side of it. Oh, no, she wasn't. No, you're right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so she didn't even drink. Well, no. So, um, Amber has a nose around the house, tries on some jewellery. As you do. Yeah, some really cheap looking jewellery. Some really cheap jewellery. Claire's accessories jewellery. And uh, and then, in one of the most disturbing scenes of the film, she takes a bath with just water. No bubble bath, no bath bomb, just water. In someone else's house. In someone else's house. That's fucking weird. Yeah. Like, why would she do a babysitting job and then have a bath? Like, it's so creepy. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if it's an American thing, but fucking hell. But it's not. It's a British film. Yeah, it's a British film, but she's American, isn't she? Well, she's pretending to be American. I don't fucking know. This is British people making this film. Yeah, it is. We would never do that. British people would never. If I was babysitting, I would never have a bath. Even if I was fucking related to the she people got I was naked for. She got naked in a house with supposedly a small child that she needs to be looking after. Yeah, and she's wearing a stranger's towel afterwards as well. Yeah. Ugh. But she was polite enough not to use any of their bubble bath. Yeah. Or, or any bath bombs or anything like no. that. So uh, Mandy's spying on her and closes the door, which... Amber seemingly doesn't think anything strange about because she falls asleep. She does. Uh, Mandy sings a song into the monitor to wake her up and uh, asks Amber to go and play with her. And the filmmaker seemed to think, having a child's voice, a, a cockney child's voice saying, come play with me, throughout the entire film makes it a creepy doll film, yeah. creepy child <laughs> film, I don't know. Um, so Amber goes upstairs, like she's acting suspicious again, and she... Bursts into Mandy's room like she's about to catch her doing something. I don't know why, 
But she just she just bursts in there oh, like it's some big surprise. She, yeah, just very cheap scares tactics, isn't it? So uh, she realises that there's a doll in the bed in place of where the supposed child should be. So the first person she calls is Carly. Mm-hmm. And Neil's obviously fuming because Amber's called her. Oh, what the fuck she calling for? Like, fucking bitch is calling again. So, um... Yeah, he's so aggressive. But he, I thought she was meant to be calling them anyway. Yeah. To tell him about what's in the house. Yeah, but he is not happy about it. No. So, uh, she tells them that there's a doll there. And she thinks that the child is missing. But then she calls Miss O'Brien. And uh, mentions that the child's missing. And Miss O'Brien gives us some uh, exposition and reveals that Mandy is the doll. What a surprise! Oh, Mandy, is I don't the know doll. if I don't know if that was meant to be a twist. No, if it is, then that's fucking dumb. Oh, but I don't understand. So it, it, she's. Are we meant to believe that the the woman, Mrs. Brian or O'Brien, whatever the I just called her old lady. So the old lady believes that the doll is that, a doll that she isn't actually a doll. She knows it's her daughter's um, spirit inside it. But it's not, though. No, oh, yeah. Because she in, she says later on she that she's inherited... It. But she knows it's Mandy. a doll. So she knows it's a doll. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Why didn't she just say that from the beginning, then? I need you to look after my doll or whatever. I don't fucking know. Carly and Neil come round. They go upstairs to investigate and they see the doll. And Neil says, are you taking the piss? That crazy bitch won't even realise anything's missing. Neil, uh, Neil says they're going to investigate the shit out of this place. Yeah, for Diane. Because Diane's come around to give them money. This is the first time we hear of this, but yeah. apparently Diane's come around to give them money for what they're going to get. She's from the agency. She right is. Now. Um, Neil can't believe that this old woman is so loaded, apparently. Amber has a drink and Mandy starts crying because she doesn't like being alone and she wants to play a game. Yes. So, uh, Neil checks out the attic, and we're told earlier on in the film never to go up to the attic, because that's, that's uh, Mandy's playroom. Mm-hmm. It's a bit like the basement in the first film. Yeah. Apart no from there's, not, there. there's not a washing machine up there. It's true. So, um, Neil checks out the attic, and he finds uh, Mandy, who disappears in front of him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, what we get is uh, a, sh- a shot just slightly earlier of Mandy in bed. Yeah. And then the the, the camera pans to uh, a clock and it says nine o'clock and it lingers there and then pans back to the bed and Mandy's gone. Yeah. And this is meant to... Oh, I don't know. I don't know what the point of that was. Amber tells Carly that Mandy's alive and they find some blood leading up to the attic. The lights go out again, because we haven't had that trick in this film already. <laughs> and uh, Diane arrives, and she is a real tough Cockney lass, ain't she? She is. What is it? She's a tough person in EastEnders. If she turned up on the square, you'd have a really dramatic teaser trailer for it, because you know there's going to be trouble. <laughs> yeah, she is. And everyone will be standing around watching her arrive. So she comes in, and she's like, Neil, it's Diane! got the cash what you got for me and diane manages to investigate the house yeah. and looking at stuff and pricing stuff up <laughs> when the lights have gone out yeah so the electricity's blown and the lights are out but she still manages to get all this checked didn't she yeah um what we see is bo- um boarded up windows <laughs> 
but really badly boarded up windows. So it's meant to be pretending to be night. Yeah. When it's not, they've just boarded up windows, but they've boarded them up so badly, there's like rays of light coming through. (laughs) Fucking hell. (laughs) Just fucking film at night time. Diane sees the monitor for Mandy's room. Yeah, she gives Carly a call. So I can see you on the monitor. Is that Neil in there with you? Is that the third person? (laughs) But obviously, there's no one in there. Mandy shows up behind Diane. Doesn't she? She does, yeah. What does she say before this point? She says, I'm not one for games. If it's children I'm dealing with, I'll take my money elsewhere. (laughs) And then we just get a weird shadow and scream, don't we? Yeah, Carly Carly grabs the cash. Balloons appear. And uh, Mandy wants to know why everyone tries to run away from her. So... Yeah. Yeah, Mandy uh, starts counting her steps. One step, two step, etc. And this kind of leads Amber to the balcony, doesn't it? Yeah, so she's leaning against the balcony. And in a very, very funny shot, the probably the funniest thing in this whole film, Mandy pops up out of nowhere. It's like, peek-a-boo! And Amber falls to the ground. Yes. Yeah, she falls to the ground, wakes up. And she's tied to a chair, isn't she? Yeah. But what's really funny is when uh, Mandy, the doll, moves around, because obviously, you know, in Annabelle, which is obviously the film that this is ripping off and trying to cash in on, Annabelle, you don't really see her move. No. Um, Which is the point, which is the scary part. But Mandy is moving around, and it's not like a a small actual, like Chucky, um, uh, you know, it, it was electronics at some point. Sometimes they've got a small actor to play him. This, it literally looks like someone's underneath just moving her around. Yeah, it's true. It looks so cheap. Mm-hmm. So they're tied up at a table, um, just like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, only Carly and Amber are alive yeah. at the table. Carly's getting cut on the arm. Yeah, Diane and uh, Neil and Abbott are dead. Uh, Mandy has a chat with them. Yeah. Um, she calls Amber a naughty babysitter because she lied about her age. And about a name. About a name, sorry, yeah. it's not Anastasia. Uh, Amber calls her just a doll and that makes Mandy really upset yeah she cuts Carly's legs Um, Miss O'Brien comes home and she apologises oh Mandy what have you done Mandy and then she gives the backstory so Mandy's been possessed uh, been passed down generation to generation through her family which makes the story about the pregnant lady at the beginning obsolete yeah um, and then we get a necessary explanation and flashback mm-hmm. to the uh, 1910 part. And then Mandy, being the little bitch that she is, she rats uh, Amber and Carly out and says, hey, look in the bag. Yeah, she grasses and, them up. And uh, yeah, and Miss O'Brien's like, what bag? And uh, she finds out that they were trying to rob from her. So uh, Miss O'Brien, uh, she's not having this whatsoever. So she decides to untie them. In a really strange move. Mm-hmm. She unties them, tells them they're not going anywhere, and... Uh, now that they know her secret. Yeah, now that they know her secret, that she's just willingly told them. Yeah. Uh, Mandy hits... Uh, but the secret is that Mandy's a doll. Yeah. That's the secret. Mandy hits uh, Carly in the eye. Yeah. And, uh, and then Miss O'Brien chases Amber with a hammer. 
Yeah, so Amber ends up in Mandy's room, yeah. which inexplicably still has its fairy lights on, mm-hmm. even though the electrics have been switched off, <laughs> uh, and then smacks the old lady in the face with yeah, the door. Yeah, with a door. Um, then Amber returns to her sister, and she says, I wouldn't leave you like mum did. Yeah, so we're going to fight. And I'm like, well, what, did the situation happen with your mum? No one cares about that backstory. Why does, that didn't even need to be yeah, there. Yeah, silly. Uh, the girls loudly shush each other. Yeah. As they try to escape <laughs> undetected. It's like really layers of whispering. It's like, shh, oh my God, let's get out of here. Shh, shh, shh. Like constantly. Really loud and shushing. Yeah, whilst Miss O'Brien's knocked out on the floor. She is. Um, so they, they get past her. Carly, the stupid bitch, goes back for money. Yeah, after Amber says, it's the door, we're going to make it. Yeah. She gets killed. In this tiny house. <laughs> yeah. She gets killed... And uh, Miss O'Brien tries strangling Amber. Mm-hmm. Amber kills her with a hammer, and Mandy is absolutely fuming about this. Starts crying. Yeah. Amber grabs the money and leaves. Mm-hmm. The end. Not really. No, we wish. For some fucking inexplicable reason, we go to a woman and her mum. Nothing to do with anyone. Well, well, Amber's in the car and Mandy pops up in the back seat yeah, as yeah, well. Yeah, that happens so as that's well. that's meant to be the end. That's meant to be the end of the film. Um, Amber screams and that's it. Three months later... From present day. From present day. Three months later, these two women, they're making a new life, uh, a new start in this new house in the middle of nowhere after the, the daughter of the family has had uh, a miscarriage. So they go through this house... And surprise, surprise, they find Mandy in the basement. So the mum uh, mocks the doll, says it's ugly and whatever, throws it in the bin, and Mandy turns her head. Then, again, you'd think that's the end of the film, set it up for a sequel maybe. No. After this, the woman who had the miscarriage hears Mandy laughing, looks under a bed, goes into the landing of the house... And she finds her mum sitting there with Mandy. And her mum says, she's found her new home now. <laughs> and that's her. But for some reason, the mum saying that causes this woman to scream. And that's the end of the film. What is she screaming for? Well, her mum does look a bit weird. A little. The, do you know what the scariest part of this was? <laughs> the fact that the daughter went to sleep with the lamp still on. <laughs> and wearing the jumper. Yeah. From what she, the same jumper she was wearing earlier, but still being under the covers. Can you imagine how fucking stuffy that would be? They must have literally just knew these two women. Yeah. I was and we're like, these... oh, do you know what? We went out for tea with them. They had the cameras. Oh, should we quickly film something? Well, this doesn't quite hit an hour and a half, does it? So no. they just had that little shitty scene yeah. from the original story at the beginning. So oh, there we have yeah. it. Our American Conjuring and Manded Haunted Doll Double Bill. Uh, which did you prefer? <laughs> I preferred American Conjuring because it had a dog in it. Uh, because it was easy to laugh at. It was funny because of how bad it was. Mm. Man did a doll is just no redeeming qualities whatsoever. I wouldn't recommend watching either if I'm being honest. <laughs> I thought they were a shite. I mean, I'm sorry. American Conjuring is, is so bad it's good. You could have a lot of fun with that if you've got mm. some friends around and a few drinks. But both are very lazy... Lazy films, terrible filmmaking. Has had absolutely nothing put into it whatsoever. Yeah. So that is it for this week's episode. Next week we will be back, and I believe you know what we're discussing. What? 
Are we discussing uh, Chained Heat? Oh, yes, yes. So this is an actual trash to piece. Yeah. The Linda Blair, Women in Prison, absolute classic trash to piece, Chained Heat. There we go. In the meantime, if you've somehow seen American Conjuring or Mandy the Haunted Doll, they're both on Prime, yeah. amongst Prime's dungeon of trash. And in America, I think it's on Tubi. Yeah, I think that's what it seems to be called. quite popular. Um, yeah, if you've seen them, let us know uh, what you thought of them. Let us know your favourite Conjuring film, maybe, if you don't want to talk about those shit films. Uh, talk about the actual ones instead. Uh, Horror Court Trash over on Facebook and Instagram, Horror Court Trash on Twitter. Uh, like and subscribe. No, well, re- review and subscribe. Should I say if you're on iTunes, like follow everything <laughs> else. I'm Gazmo two hundred five on Instagram, Gascruise ninety two on Twitter, and Dead at Gaz ninety two on Letterboxd. I am Chris Barker eight two three on Instagram, Letterboxd, and Twitter. And we'll see you same time, same place next week. Bye.